10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. Live from London, this is The Late Show with Genevieve Bent on Teachers Talk Radio. Good evening, it's 8pm. Welcome to The Late Show. I'm Genevieve Bent and I'm here with you until 9.30pm this evening. Coming up, we'll be discussing the journey from secondary school teacher to author while still teaching. It's Thursday evening, Friday evening even. This is Teachers Talk Radio and we are live. Live from London, this is The Late Show with Genevieve Bent on Teachers Talk Radio. Tune in live on the Podbean app or desktop player. Just head over to www.podbean.com slash lsw slash TT Radio or search Teachers Talk Radio. Follow the hashtag TT Radio. Good evening, everyone. Welcome to anyone who's joined me in the live studio. It is, of course, Friday evening. I am so used to still saying Thursday evening. It's still part of my like natural vocabulary so um yeah no but it is definitely Friday evening it is definitely the weekend and it's me Genevieve Bent I'm back for my monthly The Late Show on a Friday night and I'm really looking forward to today's show because I have got um a special friend who is also a fantastic teacher and author who's going to be joining me later on in the show um but of course before I launch into today's sort of topics you heard him, I say every, well, now it's every month, I guess. Um, but tune in, talk it out. If you're not connected with us already, then what have you been doing? Um, hopefully you are. But if you're on Twitter, you're on Instagram, it's at TT Radio 2022, of course. Um, it's hashtag TT Radio. And of course, you can connect with me at Vive Right personally. Um, and the more the merrier, of course. And of if you are interested in what we're talking about this evening and you want to um, get involved in the conversation of course you call in and you can win yourself a mug um, so if you're interested in winning yourself a mug you need something new to get a, a hot beverage or drink your hot beverage out of in the morning to wake you up when you get to school or wherever it is um, call in and join the conversation um, and yeah why not uh, but hello, hello again. How are we doing? If you're listening back on the Podbean app, of course, I hope that you enjoyed tonight's show. But certainly for those people who are in the live studio this evening, please do text in and let me know how you're doing. Also, let me know where you're listening from. Um, I am ringing through the speakers from lovely, sunny, not South London. Um, and yeah, but I'm sure... Hopefully, if you are listening back at some point, then maybe you're listening from somewhere else, a little bit more exotic, even if that is, I don't know. I mean, Devon's definitely not exotic for me, but, you know, it is what it is. Somewhere a little bit warmer than, than where it is right now. Um, Oisin, good evening. Lovely to have you in the live studio this evening. Thank you for joining us. Um, I'm doing great. She has texted in. Tom, of course, thank you for joining this evening. Happy days, you've said. <laughs> uh, good. I'm glad. I'm, I'm hoping that's your happy days. I'm not too bad either. Um, 
I know you you didn't ask, but I'm sure you are wondering. I'm not too bad. It is close to the half-term break. So, of course, that is giving me a little bit more push towards the end because I know it's not the end, but certainly our interim break. I cannot wait. It's a really hard term, this one. Um, Half-term, should I say, isn't it? Because you're going in, it's dark. You come home, it's dark. Again, same as autumn term. Um, So it's a little bit of a hard one. But certainly it is getting a little bit easier. I've noticed that 7am isn't just as dark as it was when we first went back to um, to school at the beginning of January. It feels like it was ages ago, but we know that January is, although it's a month, it feels like a year at some at some, um, some points, certainly. But happy February and hopefully happy half term because I will not be back on the radio, I don't think, until next month. So thinking about next month, happy half term. Hopefully you have a good one, a restful one, not necessarily doing anything amazing. I am going on holiday though. So I'm very, very, very excited for that. It's going to be my first holiday since we got back January, 2020. So very, very excited for that. Um, What's been your highlight of the week? So if you are listening, what has been your highlight of the week? I don't know how many people watch Apprentice, um, I watched Apprentice and last night there was just, it was this typo. That's probably been my highlight of the week, if I'm honest, this typo. And for anyone who watches, you'll know what I'm talking about, but it was the Ar- Arctic saviour. Arctic saviour? I don't know that word, Arctic. I know articulate and apparently Arctic is slang for a lorry or something. But the Apprentice's contestants if that's if that's the right term had come up with this um game and it was called it was supposed to be called arctic savior but between the the sub team they couldn't spell art arctic correctly and so that was pointed out and it's very embarrassing and the person responsible got fired by lord sugar um tom is saying apprentice was decent this week to be fair it was it was pretty good i've enjoyed it every week so far actually um yeah really enjoyed it so I'm looking forward to seeing what's happening, uh, happens in the next few weeks. I have, I'm happy, I've been happy with the last couple of um, people who have been fired, if I'm honest. I think the right people have gone, uh, but there's still a few weak links in there, certainly. Um, I can see that Kim Short is in the live studio, looking forward to talking to her later on this evening. Um, But I thought I would start tonight's show talk with a little bit of discussion on I guess a hot topic I mean it's always a hot topic every week every time is a hot topic but certainly behavior has been um I guess been the hottest topic over the last week in terms of there's been quite a few tweets going out a few clickbait tweets I guess or reporting tweets about behavior and and draconian behavior rules and that sort of thing um and yeah, it's, I, it's definitely been um, on the radar. And I know Tom has tweeted in with quite, quite oh, not tweeted in, sorry, has tweeted um, quite a few things about behaviour this week because as any serving teacher knows, behaviour is the number one, actually, that's a, I can't say the number one because I don't have the statistics to back it up, but one of the most um, draining things that a teacher puts up with from day to day. So whether that is um, 
I mean, there's there's so many things, you know, accountability, data, admin, all that sort of stuff. But certainly behavior just makes the day to day job a lot harder. And it is it is a I guess where I'm in the position of SLT now, I am. Some might say, you know, SLT are out of touch, et cetera. But, but hopefully, and I hope the people that I work with would agree, I am um, very much still in the classroom. And so, you know, I see, and, and of course, my colleagues, um, you know, we have those sorts of conversations. But poor behaviour is one of the most draining things to deal with from day to day. And behaviour, I guess, starts with or, or ch- tackling behavior addressing behavior starts top down and that culture is um embedded within the school or you know I'm saying the academy the school um and I was just reading an article on TES as I do and there was an article that came out I think it was the last couple of days um about I think a head teacher talked about ways in order to address poor behavior. And he starts off the article talking about the destructive effect of poor behavior. And it's re- I really liked this article because it came from a, a serving head teacher and it was just brutally honest. It wasn't trying to sugarcoat anything. It wasn't, um, you know, and I guess TES does that anyway, but it wasn't pointing blame at individual teachers, which is often, often um, an issue for a lot of teachers but number one he talks about the destructive effect of poor behavior if you are um listening this evening please do text in and let me know where you're listening from and thank you for joining me on this friday evening um so the destructive effect of poor behavior he says i've seen great teachers reduced to tears as a result of persistent poor behavior i've seen whole lessons ruined i've seen students turn up to class day after day and learn virtually nothing because of disruptive behavior of one or two others I've seen teachers walk away from the profession altogether. None of this is acceptable. All schools, regardless of context, can and should have high standards of student behaviour. And I guess where it says high standards as well, high standards is all about being consistent, right? Um, And I tweeted a a little while ago, it was a couple of weeks ago, about being the bad guy at school. Um, And that's because I wouldn't let um, students go through the no entry zones there was exams going on first of all that was one thing and then it was just a back kids you know kids just want to want to wander back and forth back and forth back and forth aimlessly um and I guess not all staff are doing that um and and you know it is what it is but I, the the, <laughs> the student told the student question was like why are you so extra why are you so extra oh and I, te- I said to him I, I love being extra we're all extra the whole school's extra and um but those high standards and that cons- that consistency with students is, is that's what it's all about. It's about trying to, I guess, negate um, the effects of poor behaviour because one, when they know and and literally this is a, a new rule where we've had this no entry, but they they just know now, and it's only because you, I have been consistent and other members of staff have been consistent in doing this why it's working um, and. It takes time and it takes high standards, as it said, and it takes consistency, as I've said, um, day after day until these are these are things that are embedded. And then he says number two. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so Tom and Oshin have texted him with some laughing emojis. I am the extra one. OK, I'm the extra one. Um, and I had another girl call me the other day. Oh, yeah. Miss, you're just so extra. Yeah, I'm extra. I'm very, very extra. Um, 
Number two was putting up with too much in the article. So in some schools, serious behaviour issues are tolerated to the point that they are the norm. And I have worked at a school um, where behaviour was just really bad. I was given um, the, I mean, every year that I worked there, I was given the <laughs> the the nurture groups, which are fine because, you know, I love teaching all, le- all levels of attainment. But the nurture groups with se- severe behavioural issues, should I say, um, and it's it was about being supported. Was I supported? Mm, no comment. Um, did I feel that the right structures are in place? No comment. Um, so you can see what I'm getting at. And it says it continues to say students swear at staff. They square up to them. Mm, had that. Refuse to follow even basic instructions. Had that. They are aggressive and intimidating. Now, for me, someone I'm just not. I'm not not intimidated that easily. I'm really not. Um, but there were there were loads of incidents. They truant lessons and run around corridors, bang on classroom doors. And I, and for anyone who has worked in a school where behaviour is really poor, all of this will um, resonate. All of this will ring true, um, sadly. And there's, I mean, he even talks about in one school I worked in, a student who was truanting opened a random classroom door. And it sounds funny when you're, when you read through it, it sounds, <laughs> it sounds funny opened a random classroom door and threw a tangerine (laughs) at the teacher. And the worst part is, it sounds funny, but it's so horrible. Kids swearing at you, raising their voice, calling you a B word, da-da-da-da-da. Like, I've had it. I've had it. And I've had it on multiple occasions. Um, And it is draining. Now, I'm very resilient. And so, you know, I I continued to work at that school. But when you leave and you find somewhere else, it just changes your whole perspective on teaching. And it's it's hard to say, it's hard to tell someone what to do, but certainly teaching doesn't necessarily have to be as draining as it is when there is poor behaviour if you're thinking about somewhere else. Um, and I think Tom, you might have spoken about this at one point. Uh, don't don't feel that you. I know it's it's spoken about lots of times, but don't feel like you need to stay at a school for I don't know for it to look a certain way at your, on your CV or you know something similar. That actually, if you need to move, you need to move. But but equally, if you're happy at a school, then don't move just for the sake of it. And um, continue to be happy. And I guess it's finding that medium balance. But he just talks about inclusion, um, teaching the behaviour that we want to see, communication with students, um, lessons, prioritising behaviour as as a school and as an SLT. And it's a really good article. And I can't remember who exactly wrote it. I forgot to write the name of who who wrote the article. But certainly if, if you do get a chance going on to TES and just reading it, it was really, really interesting. And he does link to a lot of... Um, you know, I guess people who are out there and people who have spoken about behaviour. Um, so it's really good. And I guess it's just thinking about my own progress with students um, over time. I did tweet yesterday about progress I've made with a student. She's currently in year nine. Um, and last year, oh, she was so confrontational. You know, one of those students, you know, again, 
um, very confrontational, did not like, I mean, it was very evident that she did not like me. She did not have time for me. Um, but now this year, she's still, you know, she's matured quite a bit. She does get into trouble. She still, she still has a, a way to go. But we've made progress to the point where I'm able to, I've been able to calm her down in situations. She has sat in my office, calming down, able to relay situations with me, able to talk about how she feels and having that communication with mum as well has really helped. Yesterday, mum spent, well, she spent about 25 minutes on the phone with me and I know she would have happily spent longer having a talk. And it was really nice because um, it's just all about building those relationships. And when she came in this morning, she had an incident yesterday and she came in this morning. Hi, miss. Morning, miss. Um, and I still got to catch up with her at the end of the day. So just all of these moments of pro- progress with students and because of that consistency, tackling poor behaviour, being able to, you know, um, hopefully she feels that she has someone on her side, but also someone who's going to be honest with her and going to tell her that what she's doing is not okay and she needs to improve. And we had that conversation this afternoon and it just makes you smile a little bit because you think about, um, you you know, you think about how far, how far I've come or I think about how far I've come with this particular student and it just really makes you smile. Oh, it's 20 past and waffling on. And Tom has texted in saying, comment on Twitter, so true. Low level disruption is often written off or overlooked, but reality is that it's very little grain chill, high level issues. The drain comes from nice kids just chatting or, um, or being silly again and again and again. Exactly. Low level disruption that isn't addressed properly and it isn't seen as um, an issue. Yeah, high level issues throwing off chairs and that sort of thing yes that has all happened yes I've been around all of that stuff but actually it is the 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 little behaviors that just continue to build up where you where it gets to the point where teachers feel they cannot teach they cannot get on with what they want to do they cannot do the job that they are paid to do and I had that conversation with a colleague um at some point recently and yeah it's just the everyday thing isn't it battling every day um, that can be an issue. And when I say a colleague, a teacher, should I say? Um, right. So if you have any more comments, I mean, I'd, I'd love to know more thoughts on um, tackling behaviour in schools. Maybe you you work on behaviour. Maybe you're a pastoral lead in some way, or behavioural lead um, on SLT or something, and you've got something to add to the conversation. Please do text in, or please call in and join the conversation. For those of you who entered the live studio later, um, or have entered the live studio since I started, hopefully you may or may not have heard, um, but hopefully um, you'd be interested and can win yourself a mug. You can get a free mug from Teachers Talk Radio um, just for sharing your point of view. I mean, free mugs. Who doesn't like a free mug? We were talking about saying that, actually. I had some. I had a visitor in from uh, an ambassador from University of Reading. She's doing sessions with my year 13s over the next few weeks. And she was talking about free money in terms of bursaries and scholarships. It just made me think of that. Free mugs, free money. Who doesn't like either of those things? Although I literally have no space in my cupboards for a mug at the moment, um, but I'm sure you do. So it is 20 past, 2021 even. 2021, 
soon it's going to be 2022. Oh, that deserves an audio effect. Um, where's the little drum? No, it's not a drum roll, is it? I'll do a clap. Can you hear that? 20, 21, almost about to be 2022. I'm just poetic. Oh, it's 2022. Yes, exactly, Khalil. And 2022 is the year we are in. Exactly. You see? You see? Crazy. It is. It's crazy. It's texted in. <laughs> um, if you don't know and you, and you are new to Teachers Talk Radio, Khalil and uh, Khalil is our Sunday lunch host and Tom does, I, I think he um, dips his toes into several different show pools. But I know he does some mornings, some late nights, some late, late nights. Um, but Tom is the, also the founder. And an author. And this year... <laughs> Tom texted in saying, I just do a bit of this, a bit of that. You do. You're a, you're a free man. You're a rolling stone, Tom. Um, this year, so I love reading anyway. And anyone who's listened to my show before knows how much I talk about books. I love reading, love talking about literature. And um, yeah, I'm not an English teacher. Didn't like the subject at school. However, I love literature. Um, no offence to any English teachers out there. <laughs> Khalil, no offence at all. Of course, you're the best English teachers, okay? Um, Khalil, was, Khalil and Tom are texting saying, Tom has his fingers in many show pies. He really does. Aren't your fingers burnt by now, Tom? So many pies. Uh, Tom said that, <laughs> Tom, Khalil has said, Tom loves to dabble. Um, <laughs> and Tom said, that's what he said. Right, so, yeah, so I've been posting mini book reviews for each book that I'm reading this year so I've done read three books so no I t how many books have I read now I'm on my third book so far look at me it's about to inflate myself a little bit but I've read two books so far and I'm about to finish my third and I'm posting the mini reviews onto my Twitter because why not I love my new template and I think it looks fire so with that in mind what books are you reading have you read any books this year yet? I know it's hard, actually. And one of my um, colleagues at school was saying, how do you manage to read so much? I don't know is the answer, but I just try to make time for it as much as I can because I love reading. Um, and current, and we've now got this, um, Miss Bent is currently reading at the bottom of our email signature. Um, so I like seeing the book change now. It's pretty cool. Um, but my current read is Girl, Girl, Girl which is a collection of short essays. It's all about empowerment. Um, it's talking about like current political affairs and how that relates to black women. And it's really good. Um, but my previous book was a short story um, and it was centered around this character called Glenroy. Now, I don't know if anyone's ever heard of Glenroy before. Um, Glenroy is like a typical Caribbean, Jamaican name. Um, and it's really good. Kim Shaw's texting is saying reading The Art Teacher by Paul Reed. Kim Shaw, you'll have to tell us what that is about because that sounds really good. But you'll notice I'm saying Kim Shaw. Now, Kim Shaw is my very special guest for this evening. And she's in the live studio, as you can tell. Um, and I'm really happy to have her on. Like I said, she is a friend, um, a lovely, lovely person and very, very talented. So to introduce her, she's a teacher of over 16 years at secondary school level. Um, she's a current English teacher 
And she's also a lead practitioner. So she focuses on student engagement as well as coaching teachers um, to um, improve their teaching. And she holds an, a master's of science in educational le leadership, I believe. And I think her um, bachelor's was language education. So she's got lots of experience, as you can see. Now, she comes from Jamaica. Jamaica. Yeah, exciting. Um, and she's here with me tonight to discuss her journey from being a teacher while still teaching to being an author. So, Kinshaw, can you hear me? Yes, I can. Hello. Hello. How are you? I'm good and hello to your audience. <laughs> hello, hello. Um, so Kimshaw Aiken, I forgot to even say her last name, but um, welcome to the show, Kimshaw. How are you feeling this evening? Are you excited to be here? I'm excited. I enjoyed your little prologue just now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, of course you did because it was all about you, right? <laughs> I made you sound very, very good. <laughs> very, very good. I love it. I love it. Um. So do you want to, I know I gave you, like, I, like you said, a prologue um, and a pre-intro, but do you want to give a quick introduction to listeners on who you are and, and your current role a bit more? Okay. Um, yes. Yeah, so I'm Kim Shaw Aiken. So far, I don't know anybody else with my first name. I still don't really like it, but I'm humbled. <laughs> um, I, your name's I beautiful, am a teacher. <laughs> Yes, I am a secondary school teacher for many, many years. I love teaching at the co-ed level, but I really like teaching boys. Um, yeah. Very, very exciting moments. So my memories are really just jokes in the classroom because I think children will make you be on the ground just laughing, just cracking up. So I really enjoy what I do. And yes, as Jen said, I focus now on... Um, student engagement so there's a link to behavior that I don't really like oh. because student engagement my aim is to get them so engaged that nobody needs to be sent out because that's still a, a bit of an oddity for me or for some of us um, who worked in the Jamaican system we don't have students sent out of lessons we're just in charge for the whole lesson and oh. I think that's just kind of stayed with me oh. yeah I think that's about it Lovely. So I like that you already touched on, um, I guess, teaching and schooling in the Jamaican system. And I did do a show, um, I think it was quite a few months ago, but it's early 2021, I believe. And it was all about teaching in Jamaica and teaching abroad. So America as well versus teaching in the UK. Mm -hmm. But um, you started your journey in Jamaica, didn't you? Your teaching career. Yes, definitely. Yeah. Streets, you, yeah. Mm -hmm. Do you want to share with the listeners your journey into teaching? Okay, so um, when I was I went to the University of the West Indies, Mona. Campus, yeah, of course, you and Mona. <laughs> Big um, up Mona. Yes, well, when I was there, well, I, I knew that I really just liked English, but a teacher, a teacher, past teacher of mine said, "You know what? Just switch to education." I'm like, "No, no, no! I'm not turning any teacher. I'm gonna get gray hairs too early, and so on." <laughs> But then I, she, she rationalized. She said, Kim Shaw, if you do English, like a Bachelor of Arts in English, maybe you'll end up teaching anyway and you won't get paid properly as a trained teacher. So why not? Oh, so I said, you know okay. what? That actually makes sense. So, so then I switched um, to do a Bachelor of Education. 
Um, I didn't necessarily like it. It still felt a bit like, oh my gosh, here we go. This sounds kind of slow and whatever. <laughs> but by the time I left university and I started my first job, I realized that, whoa, this is what you make it. If you pump up the jam, you can enjoy your teaching and you don't have to wear horrible homeless looking clothing. So, but um, <laughs> that, that sometimes that's the, 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 um, the perception that we have of, of teachers. So, so yes, yeah, so I started at, yeah, I can't tell my age. So I left university at 20 years. So I started at 21, right. And then from there, um, I was lucky to be in an, just a beautiful school. I've just been in there for, I've been there in, in that school for nine years. That's the school I left when I and came to, to the UK. Mm. And I know you may be curious, why then, if you love this school, why would you be coming to the UK? Very and curious. in South London. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so it was a, it was a, a grammar school. Mm-hmm. It was really, really good, but it's not like grammar schools necessarily where students are rich and so on. We have a lot of students from the ghettos and so on, but they get scholarships, right? So they are bright. So yeah. these students are not tur- turned back. And uh, um, if some of you follow Akala, he, 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 he alluded to that one. So we yes. have a lot of scholarship students. We have students of um, celebrities and so on as well. Um, dancehall artist, aka. <laughs> yes, um, I know. Um, but but, they, but they're actually investing. The, yeah, they invest in their children's education. So while I was there, I was getting better and better. Um, teaching sixth form, teaching um, year eleven, getting stronger and stronger until I was contending with another person in my department, and I was feeling a little bit like I needed a challenge. And I said, okay, if I get the highest grades, if I get the highest grades. With your students? Um, my students, yes. My students yeah. get the highest grades. That, then that other senior person, I'll consider um, leaving. I will not consider leaving to go to another school in Jamaica because my heart is, I just love this one, right? Yeah. So England presented itself. I had this um, this invite a long time ago and so on. And then when I actually got the highest grades, I kind of got nervous. I'm like, okay, but I can't back out now. And so you know what, you know, I'm a believer. You know, I said, you know, the Lord, the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. So there's nowhere that is outside of him. And then that is when I took the leap to come to the UK. Wow. Yes. And was that your first visit to the UK or had you been before? Never been to the UK. It's always just America. <laughs> mm. I feel like that is from from the colleagues that I've known who have been um, from overseas, Jamaica or America. They'd never been to the UK either. And they literally took a leap of faith. Yeah, that's that's definitely what happened. <laughs> I've never been to the UK. So what was it like then starting a whole new career trajectory in the UK? Because obviously you had loads of experience, nine years, a very long time. Um, And certainly there are lots of teachers over here, or ex-teachers who who haven't been in the career for five years. Um, Yeah, for five years, let alone nine years. So what was it like starting anew over here? Uh, well, well, several things. Well, um, firstly, when I did the interview, I realized that British people use a lot of euphemisms. <laughs> so I was told, you know, it's a school where lots of, just a little bit of support required and, you know, so I'm thinking, oh, 
you know, I'm just thinking that maybe these students, maybe they are physical disabilities, maybe they are, you know, it just sounded like just a little bit of Care Bear. That's mm. the image that was in my mind. Mm. When I came, I realized that that was not what's <laughs> supporting. Not what like was meant. Severe. No, it's like really like behavioral issues that I've never um, had to deal with before. Yeah. Um, so uh, we had to learn quickly because I was not the only one who came. You know, we had to learn quickly. Like, how do we navigate this? Because if there's a behavioral issue, um, I have to teach my lesson. Like, that's, that, that's just the first thing. Like, no matter what, your lesson has to be taught. So and in the first week, it was surprising for some of us. We kind of met and like, whoa, we need to have a plan, you know? Um, mm. And so, so did you come over with a cohort of other teachers then? Right. Yes. I, yes, I did. Um, there yeah. are a few other teachers who were with me. I was the only one in English. Um, so, right. And so we had to like, okay, what's going on? How do we manage this? And so on. I mean, one teacher already cried. And I'm like, man, me not yeah. cry, no. Me not cry. <laughs> that a son, better me go back to the yard. <laughs> right. And um, so, um, well, for me, I decided that, you know what? I am the boss of this classroom, like no matter what. And the minute I started to kind of imbibe that, I felt that I started to feel stronger and I felt that the students recognized it. And even though they will try to fight it, I still held on to the fact that I am the authority in this classroom. Mm -hmm. And then later on and so on, and they complained, this woman, this woman, whatever, whatever, and I just held my ground. That's when it became easier and I was able to start building relationships. And so do you remember a turning point where students, where you sort of, I guess, displayed your supreme authority in the classroom? And do you remember a turning point where they were just like, yeah, where there's there's not much we can do here? Um, in terms of, as in a situation that I felt yeah. run by or... Or no, so was there a, a, a situation or a moment where you realised actually you're in charge and the students realised that oh. as well? Yeah, man, um, definitely. And I talk about that in my first book as well, How to Build Your Teaching Muscles. Mm. Um, there's a situation, I was teaching class and these classes, obviously, I don't even try to sit, like there's no sitting, you have to be standing, you just have, always have to just be on your feet so they understand that you're serious. Um, a principal came to drop off a student and actually, after the student, after the principal dropped off the student, she kind of made eye contact and like, good luck. You know, someday our <laughs> God go with you. And I'm like, what? <laughs> oh, my goodness. And I'm like, what is this? Anyway, I'm like, again, I'm the boss in this classroom. So the student came in and I walked over, placed the material before him and said, all right, you're going to do this and get on with this. And I'll circle back and ensure that this is done. He started to fume. Anyway, I was get a bit nervous because he's taller than, than I was. Walked oh. around again and came back. I'm like, okay, you have not started yet. Get on with this task, right? Answer these two questions and then I'm going to come back. I'm not doing anything and through the thing, whatever. No, I'm not used to that, you know. <laughs> but oh. I made sure not to tremble again, I said. Get on with this task. I'm going to walk around the room and ensure that you have started by the time I get here. And I walked away. He stood up and like while I'm walking away, right, I'm seeing my reflection in the the glass, the window, and he's like still standing. 
And I just calmly walked up to the window and around the class again, ignoring him. So, so afterwards, completely ignored him. Of course, I didn't go over there immediately. Like when I said I was going to come back around, I just kind of spaced out my time. And oh. then he actually started, he just got on with the work. And like we became like the best of, let me not use the word friends, but really good relationship. Yeah. About how his football team was performing and so on. You know, so I had to learn those things very quickly and develop these kinds of muscles that I didn't really have to activate back home. So, yes. Um, so it was not a terrible experience, but it was an experience where I had to literally not rely necessarily on a school's behavioral policy. It had yeah. to be me because I am there with them and they have to recognize that I'm the, 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 the authority in the classroom. So that was basically my first year. And I think, I think there are stories that are going to be so different. So um, mm -hmm. there are, for you, you, for example, realize that you just have to, you're going to have to try and be the big bad boss as much as you can and see those mm -hmm. students, um, get those students to see you for that. And then there are, but there are, we know that there's also going to be teachers who need the support of um, the staff around them and it just varies doesn't it and from setting to setting and from individual mm -hmm. to individual I remember at one of my one of my previous schools I mentioned earlier mm -hmm. um and the one that she just picked up the chair threw it and then told me to f off or something like that or, or called yeah. me or called me to shut my effing mouth or something so, something along those lines um but built continue to build on the relationship and over time it got to a place where well I guess where it should be um yeah. but it is hard it is hard um and so like you said you talked about one of your um building or teaching muscles and we'll talk about that in a moment but when did you first decide that you wanted to become an author was there like a key moment or is it something that you'd been thinking of over time never Never, never. There was no key moment necessarily. Or no, I didn't have a, any goal at all. It was not a part of my five-year, ten-year, twenty-year plan. Oh wow! However, um, a, a point. There was a point where, in my first year, everything just seemed like a story in my teaching experience. And when you feel that um, that unusual feeling, you just start making notes. I'm like, this has to go in a book. Somebody has mm -hmm. to hear this story. And from that same school, that first school I went to, it was a PRU. Is it called a PRU or is that? Yeah, Pupil name? Referral Unit. No, that's yeah, its so name. Think... It's also called Centre for a lot of a Okay, lot of people. right, yes, yeah. yes. So they were trying to explain, this is like a centre, didn't you know? And I'm like, well, like, what? They're like, so bad children. <laughs> <laughs> you know, they're, they're so oh. honest, you know, they make me laugh every single day. Um, oh, I mean, my. they try to, and, and and I learned as well that they, they show love differently, you know, like, Miss, you have to join a gang. And they were not even being malicious or anything. No, they're they being really dead serious, that I was aren't they? Yeah. yeah, I mean, dead serious. So when I, saw, when I heard these things, when I saw these things, I just started to make notes because I'm like, this is unusual and fascinating. So I just started making notes from that year and I said, I'm going to put this in a book or something somewhere. Somebody, um, needs to, a teacher needs to know this story and doesn't necessarily have to be in the UK, but I need to remember these things because mm. in spite of how challenging situations were, there were such beautiful nuggets. When you, when you immediately, when, when you start to dig in the belly of the thing, you, you can see the societal influences, the parental influences. There's so many things impacting a child's yeah. education. And, you know, I felt like I, I needed to record it. 
that that is it's crazy actually because I think we record things anyway as practitioners there are things that we just automatically just need to take a note of whether that's a a mental note or saved emails in our inbox or whatever it is um but considering you are a, a second time author the fact that you never thought about being an author is um it's yeah it's really surprising and really interesting to me yeah, never. I've never thought of becoming an author. It, it has never been there. Um, but as I said, I, I also, what I really like about the UK system as well is that, well, it's probably in Jamaica, but I was just so spoiled. I was just in a lovely school and everything. Mm. Is that you meet so many educators and every educator has a different kind of vision. Like it's in education, but the vision can be so different. There's so many things to explore, so many things to research so many ways to analyze um, like education and so on. So I really like that. I have the, the platform to do that in the UK. I love that. So we're going to go, we're going to start talking about your books, but we're going to do that after an ad break. So I would love you to, if you're listening live, please do stay in the live studio, text in your thoughts and any questions that you've got for Kim. Um, and we'll be back right after this. This episode of Teachers Talk Radio has been made possible with support from Witherslack Group, the UK's leading provider of SEN education and care. They're here to support you too through an ever-growing offer of free resources, including webinars, podcasts, articles and events aimed at supporting teaching professionals like you. Visit their website at www.witherslackgroup.co.uk to find out more. Are you looking to take your phonics practice forward? Then Little Wondle Letters and Sounds Revised is the programme for you. Created by two schools with an excellent track record in phonics, Little Wondle Letters and Sounds Revised will help all children become readers and ensure no child is left behind. The programme offers complete support for your phonics teaching, alongside classroom resources and fully decodable readers from Colin's Big Cat. To find out more, Follow at Letters Sounds on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram or join a free briefing by visiting littlewondelettersandsounds.org.uk Whatever learning looks like this year, bring lessons to life with Nearpod. An exciting new addition to the Renaissance family, Nearpod offers real-time insights into student understanding through interactive lessons and videos, gamification and activities, all in a single, easy-to-use platform. To help kickstart the new year, we're offering all primary and secondary schools in the UK and Ireland full free access to Nearpod for the whole spring term. So, no matter what 2022 brings, Nearpod makes switching between in-class and remote teaching simple. Visit www.renlearn.co.uk forward slash Nearpod and sign up for your free trial today. If you're listening to this, then we know we share one thing in common, a passion for the type of outstanding education that every child deserves. That's what makes us the leading provider of specialist education and care. We need people like you to help us achieve even more. With us, you'll be given all the resources and support you need, offered a clear path to career progression, and be rewarded with some of the best salaries and benefits the industry has to offer. We are Witherslack Group. If you'd like to find out more, we'd love to hear from you. Visit 
www.withaslackgroup.co.uk forward slash careers and be part of our future. This is Teachers Talk Radio and this is Teachers Talk Radio News with Gail Glenn. In England, the government has announced that in order to keep a track of homeschooled children, a register of children not in school will be created. The COVID-19 pandemic has caused an explosion in the number of homeschooled children, but it is impossible to be certain of the true number because there is no statutory register. The Education Secretary, Nadim Sahawi, said, while the majority of children already learn in a calm, well-maintained classroom, and some learn at home with dedicated parents, there are areas across the country where high standards are not being met. Legislation to create the first local authority register for children not in school would make sure every child gets the start in life they deserve. The International Day of Education was celebrated on the 24th of January, with Nigeria joining the international community. Education in Nigeria has been reported as being in a dire state, with UNICEF reporting that even though primary education is officially free and compulsory, about 10.5 million of the country's children aged 5 to 14 years are not in school. Peter Hawkins, the UNICEF representative in Nigeria, said, Millions of Nigerian children have never set foot in a classroom, and this is a travesty. Perhaps equally tragic is the high number of children who make it into a classroom but never make the transition from primary school to secondary school, thereby cutting off their chances of a secure future. It is reported that one in five out-of-school children in the world is Nigerian. In 2021, there were 25 attacks on schools, 1,440 children were abducted and 16 children were killed. Even more vulnerable children remain in captivity of bandits and kidnappers. The health and safety of students and improved working conditions for teachers need to be enhanced. This has been your latest Teachers Talk Radio News with Gail Glenn. This is Two Minute Tech with Steve Woods, your tech briefing on Teachers Talk Radio. Hello, as we approach Safe Internet Day next week, it's the 8th of February, if you didn't know, I'm going to take a look at keeping yourself safe as a teacher. I'm not going to go into your digital footprint or how you use social media. That's been covered in your safeguarding training, no doubt, and should be common sense. There is, however, a real grey area when it comes to teachers and using their phones in school. Before I start, all schools should have a policy on mobile phones, and you should have read it. I suggest, if you're not sure what it is, then you find out. There is DFE guidance for searching, screening and confiscating for pupils, for staff, 
Policies in schools range from SLT having different rules to other staff so they can be contacted to phones must be switched off or on silence when pupils are present. Some are even introducing a smartwatch policy as they become increasingly more popular. The first step to keeping yourself safe is to make sure you know what is expected in your school as it's the individual schools that decide and there is no official guidance. The next step is a choice. Images, still or moving, are a great way to evidence work and to feed back to pupils. If your policy allows it, using your phone is the simplest way as it's always with you. To give a real example, a PE teacher at a match doesn't need to remember to take the school camera and probably has a better camera on their phone anyway. But here's the dilemma. Should teachers have pictures of children on their personal phones? Again, school policy will dictate this and parents will have signed a form saying they give permission or not, so you're covered to take the picture. But the question still stands, should it be done on a personal device? This is where I feel the need to keep ourselves safe lies. How long do you keep the images on your phone? Are they automatically backed up into your personal cloud? How do you transfer from your device to the school storage? What if your phone's lost or stolen? I'm not here to provide an answer. I just want you to think about keeping yourself safe. If you take images on a school device, you avoid all of these issues. It may be a little more effort, but in the rare event of an allegation, it's a lot simpler to investigate. Please think about your use of personal devices in school. And if your policy isn't keeping up with what you're doing, consider raising it. For a visual version of this episode, check out the TT Radio 2020 Twitter feed. I'm Steve Woods, and that was Two Minute Tech. Two Minute Tech with Steve Woods, your tech briefing on Teachers Talk Radio. Live from London, this is The Late Show with Genevieve Bent on Teachers Talk Radio. Good evening and welcome back to The Late Show with me, Genevieve Bent. You probably just heard a load of silence there, which I didn't realise. Thank you, Tom, for texting in and letting me know. He texted in saying, no sound, Genevieve, have you muted yourself? I'm embarrassed to say that I probably did, um, that I did mute myself after almost a year and a half of doing Teams and doing Zoom. I'm still having issues with muting. It's just cringeworthy, isn't it, really? Um, But, however, I was just talking about... No, I was talking to myself, I guess, talking to the wall at this point, um, about the tech updates for today and safeguarding when it comes to photos um, of students. But thank you for saving the day, Tom. Thank goodness you were here. Listeners, listeners, are you with me? 
I mean, did you just think it was just a, a bout of silence for the next few minutes? <laughs> um, but yes, I am back. You are listening to The Late Show with me, Genevieve Bent, of course. And I'm here with special guest, Kim Shaw Aiken, who is telling me about her journey. She's sharing with listeners her journey of being a teacher to author whilst still teaching. So, Kim Shaw, are you back with me? Kim? Can you hear me? Oh, can anyone else hear Kim Shaw if I lost her? Kim, are you there? Can you hear us, Kim? I think we may have lost her. Kim, do you want to disconnect? I'll disconnect you. Call back in for me. So Kim Shaw Aiken is, for those people who maybe have just joined, she is a current secondary school teacher and lead practitioner. She focuses on student engagement, but also looking at behaviour, as well as coaching teachers. And here's a really cool fact. So she's from Jamaica um, and is overseas trained. But a really cool fact that I found out about her is that she was the first to hold a diploma in something called style coaching. Now, she's going to have to clarify exactly what that means. But she was the first licensed style coach to come out of Jamaica and from the Style Coaching Institute. Um, And I think she's just about connected with me again. Kim Shaw, are you there? Hi, can you hear me? Uh, We can hear you. Welcome back. Okay, good. (laughs) Don't worry. It was me jinxing everything after I muted myself and then probably muted you as a result I don't know what happened um but I was just telling them your cool fact do you want to share with us exactly what style coaching is oh okay um so style coaching um is basically the belief or the ideology that um your body everything about you it's just a wonderful creation and Every day it's about really celebrating who you are and so on so um I got I remember there was a time in my life, there are many boring times in my life, guys. <laughs> Forgive me. Don't worry, that's all. all I know of us. that teaching is like a part of my ministry. I believe in it. I have a purpose. But I also want to find out what my passion is. And I did a course. Uh, it was actually a, a, a Christian course, really. Yeah. I'm um, saying yeah. that work is worship. And um, in it, somebody said, your passion is what you can do for hours, hours upon other hours, a task that you can do without getting paid. And I thought about it and I thought about it. And then I realized that mm, colors, working with colors and dressing up and dressing people up and so on. And that's when oh. I found discovered the Style Coaching Institute. So it is actually to do with style then? It is to do with style, definitely not fashion. Okay, lovely. Well, thank you for sharing that. That is a pretty cool fact. And to be the first of anything is both scary, brave, and very inspiring. That's why I always say. Um, So we left off talking about when you first decided to become an author and you shared with us, actually, you never, never decided that you wanted to be an author. It's just something that happened. So I guess, Mm -hmm. tell us about your first book then. Okay, um, and I'm sorry about the audio quality. Um, my Bluetooth is acting up. Um, so, right, no, so we're my first book, just fine. Said, it's really about um, how to build your teaching muscles. And this literally means mental muscles. And it really 
um, speaks to especially inexperienced teachers and it's about driving that composure, right? Um, new teachers tend to, or inexperienced teachers tend to be a bit frazzled very easily. Sometimes they try to be the friends of the students and all of these yeah. things. But the book will ex um, explain where the research shows that children actually don't like a teacher who, who just allows a free-for-all. They actually don't. The research says mm. that they... It's like a teacher who is nice sometimes, but is also firm. That is what they definitely um, respect. So it, it's really from that that angle. Also, the idea. So so where where I taught in Jamaica, we did not stream students, right? So right. So no setting. No, no, no setting. So I found very quickly that students who are in bottom sets. I hate the term. I hate what the word bottom set so much. And I did some more research and I found out that, okay, so there are people in other countries who have this view where it's a very damaging title. So we prefer the word low achieving. And low achieving really means that they're just low achieving for their age. If we right. say low ability, I find that it's quite dangerous because a teacher, probably a new teacher or an experienced teacher as well, will just operate on the basis of yeah, low ability. So let me just give them an easy task or, yeah, just give me a task from a low ability class. They, they don't really put the effort out unless they're, they're, they're really that kind of teacher with very high work ethics and so on. But when I coach teachers and when I take on the idea of low achieving rather than low ability, that's when I really see the progress. So the book really is just has just these tips on how to boost the progress of um, challenging learners or low achieving learners. And that makes sense. And I don't, I, I'm very careful as I've, I've been an NQT mentor, ECT mentor, it's called now and a, a trainee mentor for quite a few years now. And I'm very aware of the language that I use. And so I, again, I do not use the term low ability. I don't think a lot of teachers do now, low ability, high ability, it's just not productive. And like you said, it is damaging. And using the terms low attaining is what I use, but again, very similar to low achieving. Um, it's so important, isn't it? And I guess where you're coming from, the background of being a lead practitioner, you're very aware and careful with the language that you use. So it's called building your teaching muscles. Yes. How yeah. to build your teaching muscles. How to build your teaching muscles. Apologies. I've got the book myself and I've read the book myself. Um, and yeah, so how to build your teaching muscles. So what exactly, I know you said it's for new teachers and thinking about their presence and, and the way that they command a classroom. What would you say were the top tips that came out of that book for anyone who's thinking of purchasing? Okay, um, there's this model that I, um, I find, well, I'm going to find it useful because I created the model, but I've also um, used it with other teachers before. And it's teachers who have been assigned low achieving sets and how to keep, how to psychology, um, psychologically engage um, with them throughout without becoming too frazzled. Um, and it's a LBV model, laudable traits, barriers to learning and vices. And so I encourage teachers to create this um, kind of spreadsheet with these topics. So the laudable traits, something, they have to identify something positive about this um, troublesome student in um, quotation marks. Then mm. the barriers to learning. Is it a SEMH need? Is it EHCP? Whatever it is that goes there. And of course, the vices. What are some of the things they get up to? Will they like throw missiles in the classroom and so on? 
what I find is that when they now have a, um, a discussion with the parent or whoever, they're able to talk about a human being rather than just a troublesome child because you, they are required to find that laudable trait at the beginning, right? So right. maybe it is yeah. that child uh, will always stay behind and possibly help to pack up or whatever. But when you dig for that laudable trait, I find that the attitude towards the class, these teachers are not necessarily afraid to go to that class or have that class anymore because they can focus every child in front of that teacher has a laudable trait. And it is recognized in addition to the other, the other things. It makes um, the, the teacher sound more confident in parents' um, consultations, talking to their line manager and so on. So that's one of the, the, the top tips. Another thing, I disagree with some of the research, and I'm not sure you're familiar with it, Genevieve. Yeah. Uh, the idea that when you're dealing with a class like that, you should not call the name of the student who is misbehaving. Uh, so instead, focus on the students whose behavior is correct. Is that yeah, what you mean? I disagree with Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. I, I disagree with it. And this is why. Sometimes those students who are misbehaving don't realize that they are, believe it or not. They're not even being funny. Yeah. Sometimes yeah. addressing them by name, right? You focus what the behavior is. You show that you're not approving of the behavior and that they should stop their behavior. They're Teachers I know who think, oh, this is too harsh. Um, maybe your viewers want to, uh, your listeners, sorry, will want to chime in on that. <laughs> but what I've observed, and when I've observed lessons as well, and like a teacher, I'm saying, okay, you need to learn the name of the student, the names of the students. When they're misbehaving, I want you to do this. Say, rather than, you're, you're 10, be quiet. You're 10, you just keep doing that. Okay, Genevieve, could you stop that now, please? Thank you very much. Right? The simple. Wow what I've um, dealt with the behavior. And when, I, when, this, when the teacher does it, or even when I, when I do it, sometimes this, the person who's misbehaving was like, <gasps> like, they literally didn't realize that they were doing that thing. <laughs> they're in actual <laughs> shock, aren't they? They're actually, yes, they're actually in actual shock. And I'm thinking, so if you're going and calling on the other person to change the behavior, I'm like, no, that is just really going around in circles. We have so much on our plate. We're trying to you know, get through the lesson. So I do believe in name calling. It is done lovingly and it is done with eye contact. Mm. Not firm eye contact, but I'm talking to you. I need it to be quiet now so I can come to the list so others can learn. You say it calmly. It's fine. I don't see how it is abusive. I, I have to agree with you, Kim Shaw. I really do because I'm not someone who can just allow this, you know, this behavior to continue. They seem unaware in a lot of cases, as you said, whilst I'm praising the rest of the students or waiting for attention, actually, I find that that, t that child does need addressing. They do need addressing by name. And it's nothing, it's not to embarrass them or shame them, it's to correct that behavior. Um, I completely agree with you. And yes, although it does go against a lot of research and it does go against, um, I guess, what a lot of teachers do believe is the right thing to do, that, that's just me personally. And yeah, I got that. I mean, that comes through in your in your book, of course. Yeah, um, yeah, definitely. So there are a few things that I disagree with, but <laughs> take I'll, I, I I won't go through all of them now. And then there's this very unusual one. I know it is unusual, and um, it may be a bit sensitive, but I also think that even as teachers, we should take pride in our appearance and how we do our job and so on. The students notice. Mm. They notice. Why is it that, you know, like lawyers and so on, they probably take pride in their appearance and 
their classroom and so on. I think that we should do. And as I said before, when I was in university in um, doing my first degree and I, my teacher said, you should become a teacher. And I'm like, nope, nope. And that's because I saw teachers just all, like, it's almost like they have to get the middle of, let me see how pop down I can look. The I uniform. Down. Yes, yeah, exactly. Like, we don't get paid, so let me just be pop down and show the work. No, 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 no. When you dress nice, you feel nice, you teach nice, you know? <laughs> so it, it, it really tackles all of these things. I, I know it might be um, controversial, but, you know. <laughs> I mean, it's certainly controversial, but, you know, there's every every other day there's someone posting on Twitter their, their new work dress or their new, um, I don't know, new work tie or something like that. And I love it. Like, I live for dressing up to go to school. Um, really? And... <laughs> a lot of the time I don't feel like it like I just want to get I, I want to stay in bed I want to wear my PJs but it does like you said for me personally and I know that's not everyone it does make me feel better about being there but again that is an individual thing and you know that that varies from person to person and I guess when you're not in the headspace anyway um you know but with teaching then obviously that's gonna that's the last thing you're gonna be thinking about and and that is completely um completely fair and so what was the general reception like for that book or what has it been like since yeah for the first one good you know i i get mostly i get a lot of um traction mostly in america Mm. um and probably that's because i have a lot of friends and i have family family in america um teachers taking it on they're passing it on to experienced teachers and so on so that's great so it's a worldwide success, I'd go as far to say. International. International. Um, and I did say, obviously, I read a book. Um, my second book of the year was uh, a, book, a really short story with a main character of Glenroy, and it's called Glenroy Moves to Mona Heights. Now, do you know who that was written by? <laughs> <laughs> Well, listeners, I'm being sarcastic, and it's more of a rhetorical question, which is why Kim Shaw's giggling there. It was written by Kim Shaw, of course. That is her second book. She's a two-times author. Tell us about that. Oh, Glenroy, Glenroy. This is Glenroy. This one is fiction, and I thoroughly enjoyed crafting this journey of this boy who was attending a school in London. Um I do not have, I wouldn't say I have a, a, a wide expanse of experience in the UK. So my book or my books is, you know, it's kind of channeled in a particular direction. So for example, mm. Glenroy, I have Glenroy, I have a black boy um, and I have him already on the radar of seeing a leadership for behavior. Right. So I've seen many Glenroys. I've seen many, many Glenroys and I've seen the little boy inside of this reputation. And what I wanted to do, and because it's the only thing I can do, is take Glenroy home. I had to craft a character, and a character who is not his fault why he's in a single parent family, it's not his fault why he's not understanding sometimes when the teacher is teaching, it's not his fault, many things, not his fault. So, and can I just uh, say, by taking Glenroy home for listeners, you meant taking Glenroy back to Jamaica? Yes, taking rather him than home. taking him literally to your house. <laughs> oh my god, no safeguard! 
<laughs> just in case. Just want to make that clear, listeners, right? Anyway, carry on, Kim Shaw. Yes, yes. So, 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 so I, I created this story. And, you know, um, I don't want to say too much, but um, I had so much empathy for him, as I said, because I've seen a lot of um, Glenroys in my six years here. Mm-hmm. And because I wanted a, a future for him and I wanted it to be a good Bildung's Roman, I brought him back to the experience that I had while I was teaching in Jamaica. He does come back, by the way. Um, so even the, the names of the places that you will read about and so on, though they're fictional, if you go to Jamaica, you'll realize, hmm, I wonder if this is where Kim Shaw got this name from. So I took him home and... I like how Genevieve in, in her review said it's a, it's, a, it's a twist from the typical shipping home narrative. And I know your listeners know about the shipping home narrative, Genevieve. Do you want to um, Yeah, so, so shipping, shipping home or shipping back home was a common phrase that I used to hear um, when I was growing up at school. But basically, um, in, particularly in the black community, any children or young people that that their parents were from or their family was from either Africa or the Caribbean and they had family over there and they weren't behaving, it was a common threat. We're going to send you back home. We're going to ship you home so you can basically grow up over there, go to school and over there and sort and get sorted out, um, you know, sorted out good and proper. And I did have some friends that did get shipped back. Um, but yeah, it was a new twist on that, as I said in my review, and I did share that review on social media. So if you are on my social media, please go and have a look. It was it was such a good read. And um, but yeah, to go back to you, Kim. Yes, right. So um, right. So I took him home. Um, lovely. I, I received a lot of reviews about it, especially when it uh, the book starts to starts to come to an end. Yeah. And, he, and then later he returned to London. It was important for him to uh, return to London, um, in my view, because I know that all of these students that I'm teaching now, our friends teach, they have a possible good ending. Yeah. We as teachers understand that a part of our responsibility, a part of the, the, the crooks of the profession, really, outside of this paperwork that we all have to do, outside of the, the threat of Ofsted, just see the humanity in the children and we start writing our own stories. And I implore all teachers to write a story, pick a character, pick a student in your class and craft a story for them. And you'll be amazed when they get a copy of the book, how they, you know, it's, it does boost their spirits because you're writing from experience. You're, you, you know what the climate is like, you know what the, the, the uh, you know, the, imp- you know, the, the consequences of labeling a, a child too early issues. Yeah. What does that really mean? And what are the barriers to learning? Like, is it is it something that is within the child's control? You know, try to move those things away and see the child in front of you and, and craft their story. Mm, and just to go back to what I was saying earlier regarding the progress I'd made with this young this young student of mine. Well, I don't actually teach her, but student at school. And yeah, it's all about the consistency, being fair, being firm, but also seeing, showing them that you are, you know, you're there for them. Um, even if that means being strict and being, um, you know, someone who is 
critical of their behavior but get but in order to get through to the you know get through to them as an individual is so important and um, but I loved the book I loved little Glenroy he like you said you've seen many Glenroys I've seen many Glenroys and what I liked about it like you said it was set in South London extremely relatable even more so relatable when it came to um the the back home section but love that you tied it up with like you said, returning to London. It, it was a lovely, lovely story and I really enjoyed reading it. And I talked about it. You, t- you told me that one of my current students was reading it and we talked about it at school and that was really nice. She, she, really en- she's re- she was really enjoying the book at the time. Um, so yeah, really well done. Really well done. Uh, so what would be, I guess the final question then, because we're coming to the end, this show's gone really quickly. It's already quarter past nine. But what would be your top tips for anyone else who wants to make the transition? I know it's quite popular um, and lots of teachers have done that. But for anyone who is thinking about writing, becoming an author, what would be your top tips? Okay, one, first of all, it can be done. Um, it is easy to think that writing a book, you need like a big publishing house. Yeah. No, trust me. This thing called Amazon KDP, <laughs> there is, they answer every question. It is very easy. The important thing is just to start. And if it's your first book, or if you're, th- I'm not sure whether you're thinking about fiction or nonfiction. If it is nonfiction, it's good to have like a how to title or ten ways to, you know, that is what sells. Yeah. <laughs> you know? You know, and and be a maverick in the profession. There's something within education that you are good at. You may not of recognize course. it, but there's something that you're better at than possibly probably your colleague. And maybe that is what you should write about. It can help somebody. It can help even a student studying about education and this concept in university. If it's fiction, oh, I definitely just go to town. I think you, because nobody can charge you for anything, really. It's fiction. Yeah. <laughs> if you're going to be putting true. Um, true events in it, you know, probably aim for like a small 200 pages at um, as you first write but as uh, like what I do I have a small notebook that I write um, walk around with so wherever I am if I'm on the bus or if I'm in a car whatever I'm making notes interesting things and I have another one in my desk as well at work so somebody's gonna say something to a teacher to a student or just make a comment and you're either gonna laugh or be like hmm, this is interesting you're gonna just write it down <laughs> just change the name of the of, of, of the character who said it and really enjoy it um when i come home if i if i'm quite tired or quite stressed and i'm writing i just find that my mind goes somewhere else and i'm not thinking about um spelling and grammar or whatever. i'm just writing just free writing and it is quite therapeutic then by the time you look, you have a story ready to publish. Wow. Very inspiring, Kim. Very, mm-hmm. very inspiring. Um, really enjoyed both your books. I'm hoping that there's going to be even more to come. Um, but, yeah, you certainly certainly um, made yourself a household name in this household and, and many others, I'm sure, like we said, international Thank you so much for joining us this evening. Is there anything else that you wanted to share? Maybe the um, titles of your books or any links, please do text them in. Um, but it's been absolute pleasure talking to you this evening. I hope you've enjoyed it. I have. I have really enjoyed it. Thank you, Jen, for having me on this platform. And thank you to your lovely uh, <laughs> listeners as well. I definitely can make the, the links available. And just write. If you're interested, just write. 
Absolutely. Thank you so much, Kim. Thank you for giving up your Friday evening. Um, do stick around in the live studio if you have the time. We've got a few more minutes before we wrap up this evening. Um, we're going to go back for a really, really short ad break. This episode of Teachers Talk Radio has been made possible with support from Witherslack Group the UK's leading provider of SEN education and care. They're here to support you too through an ever-growing offer of free resources, including webinars, podcasts, articles and events aimed at supporting teaching professionals like you. Visit their website at www.weatherslackgroup.co.uk to find out more. Are you looking to take your phonics practice forward? then Little Wondle Letters and Sounds Revised is the programme for you. Created by two schools with an excellent track record in phonics, Little Wondle Letters and Sounds Revised will help all children become readers and ensure no child is left behind. The programme offers complete support for your phonics teaching, alongside classroom resources and fully decodable readers from Collins Big Cats. To find out more, follow at Letters Sounds on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram or join a free briefing by visiting littlewonderlettersandsounds.org.uk. Whatever learning looks like this year, bring lessons to life with Nearpod. An exciting new addition to the Renaissance family, Nearpod offers real-time insights into student understanding through interactive lessons and videos, gamification and activities, all in a single, easy-to-use platform. To help kickstart the new year, we're offering all primary and secondary schools in the UK and Ireland full free access to Nearpod for the whole spring term. So, no matter what 2022 brings, Nearpod makes switching between in-class and remote teaching simple. Visit www.renlearn.co.uk forward slash Nearpod and sign up for your free trial today. If you're listening to this, then we know we share one thing in common, a passion for the type of outstanding education that every child deserves. That's what makes us the leading provider of specialist education and care. We need people like you to help us achieve even more. With us, you'll be given all the resources and support you need, offered a clear path to career progression, and be rewarded with some of the best salaries and benefits the industry has to offer. We are with a Slack Group. If you'd like to find out more, we'd love to hear from you. Visit www.withaslackgroup.co.uk forward slash careers and be part of our future. So it is coming up to the end of the show. It's been a really great late show with me. I, I Well, I hope you'd agree because I love loves talking to Kim. Um, Kim Shaw, of course, is was my special guest and I can't even speak anymore. She was my special guest this evening, talking about her journey from teaching um, into writing. Um, but just switching lanes a little bit, thinking about being brave. I mean, it was br- very brave for Kim to obviously move and take move into to writing and becoming an author, and um, that was her being ten percent or maybe fifty percent, one hundred percent braver. Um, and when I say being ten percent braver, that is a slogan for women's ed. I don't know if anyone is familiar with women's ed. I'm sure you are. They are a force to be reckoned with, supporting women in education. But I did something brave um, a couple of weeks ago. I think it's brave because now I'm actually 
I'm scared. I'm really scared. Um, but I applied for the National Professional Qualification of Headship. I know. I was. I don't know what I was thinking. Well, I know what happened. <laughs> and my um, my head teacher was like, go on, you can do it. Go on, go on. And I thought, maybe senior leadership. She's like, you're already in senior leadership. Try again. Try for the headship. You know, just apply. And of course, I applied. Threw something together, applied. And then I got the confirmation of um, application and then a congratulations email. So I can't believe it, but I'm going to be starting the MPQH this month. And I really don't know, I really don't know what I'm going to do. Um, my friend, my colleague texted me um, yesterday and she was like, I, I heard, I saw that you're starting the MPQH. Don't you have enough to do? And I was like, yeah, I've literally just stopped doing the head of science. Um, I'm former head of science now and focusing purely on key stage five and other roommates um, to now take on something additional. And I, I just said to her, I need help. Like, I have a problem. I need help. <laughs> if I'm not doing extra things, I don't know. I, it, it just seems to bother me. I wanted, I want to be doing something else with my time. That's a really, I don't know, it's a really weird place to be. I graduated last, um, last year summer, finally. That was like a postponed, delayed thing. But then since then, I've just been like, well, what am I going to do now? What am I going to do now? And I guess now... I'm going to do the MPQH. So I'll keep anyone posted on that um, by my social media at some point, I'm sure. But it's an 18-month program. And anyone who's done the MPQs, I'm sure, is familiar with the with the style of it and the with the schedule and that sort of thing. But it involves coaching, mentoring, self-study, etc. Oh, I just don't know what I've let myself in for. Honestly, what have I done? Um, but I am looking forward to it um, and we'll, we'll just have to see how it goes. And I guess the other thing um, that I wanted to talk about this evening, the very last thing before we, we sort of finish is Teach Meet Science Icons is coming up or Teach Me Icon Science. You might know it either way, but that is coming up 25th of February. So for the science teachers community, Teach Meets, you know, I'm sure we've all attended a Teach Meet or two in our time and they are, they've been back um, and Tom um, has arranged the, this free Teach Meet for Science Teachers, which is taking place in Manchester in a few weeks, Saturday the 26th of February. Um, and I am one of the speakers there, so I'm looking forward to um, speaking about contextualising and diversifying the science curriculum. I'm looking forward to that. But there's going to be a range of major amazing what is amazing <laughs> amazing um s science speakers there lots of edu science twitter people are presenting some of my lovely twitter friends on there woody um woody danan peter edmonds dr christie turner jeroni jericlos joe pellero um lots of people presenting so it's going to be a really exciting day it is in manchester and if you haven't been to Manchester yet, um, don't know, it's a really nice city. It's no London, but I'm biased, of course. People hate London. I love London. But Manchester is really nice and it'll be an opportunity for you to see the city possibly. Um, so 26th of February, it is free. There is a deposit, but that de those deposits are fully refundable. Um, so it's a free event and if you're a science teacher, you're interested in teaching science, that is something 
to look forward to. So I thought I'd plug that. It's going to be lots and lots of amazing people speaking. It's going to be a good day. Plus, you will get to speak to Tom. You'll get to see Tom in real life. <laughs> um, what more could you want? Um, and me, of course, your host. Um, but yeah, it's a, that's been a really fun show. Really enjoyed tonight. Um, hopefully you did too. If you're listening live or if you're listening back, um, hope you've enjoyed the show, the conversations that have happened today. Me waffling as usual and um, the tech tips as well, if you managed to, to catch, um, catch those earlier. But yes, that is it. That's it for tonight. I'm going to leave you with the coming up to 9.30pm news and then it's good night from me. Have a lovely weekend. It is Friday night. You've still got the whole weekend to enjoy. Hopefully you have a good one. Have a good rest and are ready for your final week um, in school or wherever you are. Um, good night. This is Teachers Talk Radio, and this is Teachers Talk Radio News with Gail Glenn. In England, the government has announced that in order to keep a track of homeschooled children, a register of children not in school will be created. The COVID-19 pandemic has caused an explosion in the number of homeschooled children, but it is impossible to be certain of the true number because there is no statutory register. The Education Secretary, Nadim Sahawi, said, while the majority of children already learn in a calm, well-maintained classroom, and some learn at home with dedicated parents, there are areas across the country where high standards are not being met. Legislation to create the first local authority register for children not in school would make sure every child gets the start in life they deserve. The International Day of Education was celebrated on the 24th of January, with Nigeria joining the international community. Education in Nigeria has been reported as being in a dire state, with UNICEF reporting that even though primary education is officially free and compulsory, about 10.5 million of the country's children aged 5 to 14 years are not in school. Peter Hawkins, the UNICEF representative in Nigeria, said, Millions of Nigerian children have never set foot in a classroom. And this is a travesty. Perhaps equally tragic is the high number of children who make it into a classroom but never make the transition from primary school to secondary school, thereby cutting off their chances of a secure future. It is reported that one in five out-of-school children in the world is Nigerian. In 2021, there were 25 attacks on schools 1,440 children were abducted and 16 children were killed. Even more vulnerable children remain in captivity of bandits and kidnappers. The health and safety of students and improved working conditions for teachers need to be enhanced. This has been your latest Teachers Talk Radio News with Gail Glenn.
been listening to Teachers Talk Radio. Tune in live and listen back at ttradio.org. We look forward to hearing from you next time on Teachers Talk Radio.